Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name to each one. If we were to uh, take the Pan-American Highway from Guatemala City west and uh, drive for an hour and 45 minutes or so, we would come to a small town called Los Encuentros. And uh, at uh, Los Encuentros, uh, road turns, a road turns off of the Pan-American Highway north. And uh, if you would take that road for some three hours more, you, uh, depending on which uh, fork you would take, you would get to one of three uh, Mennonite Air Mission churches there in that area. But I want to tell you about uh, a, a man in Los Encuentros. There are tire shops in uh, this small town, and there's good reason for that. Uh, some of these back roads are pretty difficult on tires, or at least they were 20, 30 years ago when this story takes place. And so there are tire shops there, and the uh, van that I was riding in uh, had a tire that needed fixed, and so we uh, stopped at a tire shop. And uh, as I uh, was observing there, uh, I'm not sure whether it was our tire or somebody else's, but uh, there was a uh, supervisor in one of those tire shops that uh, rolled a tire out to the uh, work area and and uh, they worked on tires with uh, hammers and uh, uh, tire irons uh, pry bars and so on they uh, they didn't have the modern conveniences that uh, tire shops do in the US here but uh, the supervisor rolled the tire out and said something to somebody in the background and uh, and then a man came out to work on the tire. And uh, he caught my attention. On the sides of his trousers, uh, there was uh, leather on the outside of his trousers. Both uh, outside trouser legs were covered with leather. And there was a reason for that. That wasn't the first thing I saw. <clears throat> The reason for that was because his uh, legs were uh, folded in. The, left, the right leg was folded in to the left and the left leg was folded in to the right. And he was walking on the sides of his legs. His uh, upper body was uh, perfectly normal and strong and he knew how to fix tires. Uh, he. Uh, he knew how to, uh, and he did. He, uh, I watched him long enough to know that uh, he was good at it. He had done it before. Now I said that to uh, introduce my message, which is uh, about the body. And uh, first of all, I uh, would like to start with uh, the Lord's body. <coughs> This uh, message has its uh, its uh, genesis in uh, its beginning in 
communion service several weeks ago at Bethesda. Uh, I uh, was reading in preparation for this communion service, uh, trying to prepare my heart and life, and and I was impressed with the Lord's body. In Luke 22 and verse 19, and not, that's not my text, okay? Uh, I'm going to be going mostly to Hebrews chapter 10, but, but in Luke 19 and uh, 22 and verse 19, Jesus said, This is my body which is given for you. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, uh, Paul wrote it like this. Uh, as often as you do this, let's see, better, I better turn to that. Now I didn't write it out, so I'll go over to 1 Corinthians 11 here. When he had given thanks, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me, was the way Paul wrote it. So uh, we, uh, we acknowledge the Lord's uh, sacrifice, the Lord's uh, suffering, and his death. On our behalf, when we uh, when we do this, some people have run away with uh, with this uh, idea of uh, communion, and uh, uh, there is some false teaching out there. And uh, uh, but the disciples were sitting right here, watching the Lord, and and uh, he was breaking the bread, and he handed it to them. And they knew what he was talking about. Uh, they didn't understand, but, but they knew that he wasn't talking about his physical body. Let's turn back to uh, John. Go with me to John chapter 6 for just uh, a few words there. In verse 53 of John chapter 6, Jesus told the uh, people, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I'll bet that caught their attention. Uh, sounds, uh, sounds bad, doesn't it? And then he said, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Uh, the, the people, uh, a lot of them didn't understand that. Uh, but he explains it a little later. Let's go down to verse uh, 62 and 63. Maybe starting with the end of verse 61, when Jesus said, Does this offend you? What, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Uh, Jesus uh, said, uh, the Father lives in me and I in him. We, uh, we, have, uh, we have this communion. I live by the Father. And, uh, and he expects us to do the same thing. In other words, Jesus, when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he was talking about uh, the kind of communion that we're supposed to have with God, the kind of uh, connection that we have. In John 15, he calls it the vine and the branches. And uh, he says if there's, uh, if there's a connection, a good solid connection there to the vine, there's uh, the life flows through that uh, and, and there's life there. If that's disconnected, it dries up and it's thrown into the fire. He was, uh, he was talking about his body being sacrificed and what that would do for us. And then he said, was saying, uh, when you do this in communion, remember that. Remember what I did for you. And that, that, was, uh, the, uh, that was the gist of his teaching there. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, let me read uh, about the first 22 verses there in Hebrews chapter 10. It starts out in verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. A body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure, then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and often offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us, after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. 
After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. <coughs> now, uh, Jesus had a body prepared. God is a spirit. The, the uh, Bible clearly uh, says that he is a spirit, and, and uh, Jesus was and is God. He was a spirit, and so he needed a body to come to this earth. And so he had a body prepared. The reason. Let's start now with verse 1. The law was a picture of what was going to come in the future. The Old Testament is a perfect foundation for the New Testament. It... Uh, perfectly anticipates what was to happen. Jesus Christ is the center of the entire scriptures, Old Testament and New. The Old Testament looked forward to what the New Testament brought us. Uh, we, uh, we do not believe in a uh, what is called a flat Bible. Uh, we, uh, we don't have, uh, we don't put the same uh, emphasis on the Old Testament and the New Testament. We, uh, we uh, know that it's all God's Word, but we believe that the New Testament takes precedence over the Old. We believe that our doctrines come basically from the New Testament, and if uh, the New Testament says it, that's what we go by. The law was a picture of what was to come. The law's sacrifices, it says here clearly, could not make the, uh, the worshipers complete. Perfect in this case means complete or finished or mature. The, the Old Testament law could not do that. If it uh, could have, uh, wouldn't they have quit sacrificing? That's uh, the, the uh, logic that is given here in Hebrews chapter 10. The worshipers once cleansed, if uh, the Old Testament laws and sacrifices could have cleansed them, uh, that would have taken care of them. They would have had a, a clear conscience, but they did it over and over and over again because those sacrifices and that blood could not take away sin. It could take, it could cover it until a sacrifice could be made that would take care of it. Now in verse 5, we see him and, and the, uh, the introduction there to the quote is a little bit difficult says, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith. That's uh, 
talking of Jesus, and and it uh, it's uh, a little bit uh, difficult. But but what he's saying here is, uh, when he Christ came, he said, and then he. Uh, gives the quote that goes in the middle, starts in the middle of verse 5 and runs through verse 7. And so uh, in verse uh, 5, the first part of the verse, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Now, uh, he commanded them to give those sacrifices and offerings in the Old Testament. But but, uh, what he was really looking for was what? It was a heart experience. He said it over and over in the Old Testament. He wanted them to do that, to make those sacrifices. But what he really wanted was a heart that was right with God. Micah said, What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? That's what he really wanted. <clears throat> a body hast thou prepared me. Jesus needed a body, and so he, he got one uh, from Mary and from his father, God. In verse 6, he says, Burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Now, uh, that's, uh, I suppose, uh, speaking comparatively, uh, he, uh, the uh, offerings that they offered were, uh, I think, a smell that, uh, that God wanted to smell. He wanted them to do that. But once again, the matter was in the heart. And in verse 7, then he said, Then he said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. In, in, the, in Psalm it is uh, written, I come to do thy will. Now if you were to go back to Psalms where this is quoted, you would uh, find it reading a little bit different because because the New Testament worshipers were using the Septuagint version. Uh, that's a Greek version of the Old Testament, and, and we do not use a Septuagint version, and so their, their quotes in the New Testament were a little different sometimes, and, and that is the case here. So that, that's the difference in the quote. It was, uh, it was a quote, though, from uh, where in Psalm? Forty six through eight. Yes, had it written down there. <clears throat> Men's offerings are aren't good enough, and so uh, they cannot take away sin. And so God's desire was for an an offering that would take away sin. And so Christ said, "I came to do your will." Now in uh, verses 8 and 9, it says, 
Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And, and he was removing the Old Testament as our guide and giving us the Old Covenant and giving us a new one, a new covenant that supersedes the old one. In verse 10, then, he says, by the which will, the will of God now, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all, sanctified. Means set apart, set apart for God, made holy, made holy. How many of you are saints? Raise them up high. <laughs> we, we tend to be a little reluctant to use the term, okay? All Believers, all true Christians who have a connection with Jesus Christ are saints. They are sanctified. They are set apart. They are made holy. Now, that uh, brings us to a uh, question, a problem. And let me introduce that with a story, an illustration. Uh, I'm uh, I'm illustrating the answer now, not the question. The the uh, maybe I'd better give the question first. The uh, question is, we're we're made holy. We're we're sanctified. We're saints. We never reach the sinless holiness of God in this life, and that creates a problem that is uh, rampant in our country. Let me give you the illustration. Uh, some uh, 45 years ago or 50 now, <laughs> uh, there were uh, three boys in our house and, and they were just entering the teens and, <clears throat> and they read horse books and uh, at least uh, one of them in particular and, and they thought we needed a horse. So uh, uh, we went to the stock sale, and, and there was a, a horse there that uh, they sold with a, a, an old saddle and a bridle, and we would have needed all those things. And a uh, horse wasn't uh, real nice looking. He, he was a little sway-backed and a little rough-coated, but... Uh, uh, I'm a little Scotch anyway, uh, tight maybe you ought to call it, and didn't have a lot of money, so uh, we bought that horse. It didn't cost a whole lot. Bought him and took him home, and uh, he uh, he served a purpose there on the farm. The the boys, uh, he, he was a little ornery. Uh, but uh, the boys uh, learned to ride him, and, uh, and the oldest boy especially was a little bolder than the rest of them, and he, and he got along very well with the horse. The horse had a problem, okay? He, he had a, one bad habit. He was a cribber. Now, how many of you 
How many of you uh, know what that means? I didn't think we'd uh, have a lot of horse people here. Uh, back when I was a boy, they called that uh, a windsucker. Uh, what uh, the horse did and what these horses do, the horses get this habit, and I, I'm not enough of a horse person to know why in the world they would do that, but uh, a horse's upper front teeth are uh, pretty much in a row there. They're curved just a little bit in front. They're made to bite and bite off things, and they will hook their upper front teeth on a board, on a fence, or on a gate, or on a fence post, and they'll pull back, and they'll suck wind into their stomachs. And and horses that do that are hard to keep. They they usually have a rough coat, and and uh, they're sort of junky horses. Okay, uh, and and it's a bad habit. And I don't know if there's any way that you can break a, a horse like that to not be a cribber. But uh, anyway, the, the, the horse uh, fulfilled his mission on the farm, and in a couple of years, uh, uh, the, uh, the keen edge of the boys winning a horse had worn off, and so we uh, hauled him back to the stock sale. And uh, he looked a little better. We had fed him better than... The owners before and and he he had slicked up some looked uh, looked a little nicer and so the uh, man at the stock sale wondered what do we want to tell people about him and uh, so I told him the age and so on and I said tell him he's a cribber oh you don't want to tell him that uh, you know that uh, horse people don't like that uh, they wouldn't buy a horse that's a cribber I said I want him to know that he's a cribber tell him he's a cribber and so uh, we stayed to watch the horse sell. And uh, when they brought him in, uh, the man that I talked to uh, gave the age and so on of the horse. And and he finished. He said he, he cribs a little. Uh, he almost couldn't bring himself to say it. <laughs> to finish the horse story, now uh, he brought... Uh, fair amount more than what I paid for. But uh, that's like uh, people think about uh, sin. They realize that, uh, that we don't reach the perfection, the holiness of God in this life, and, and they get the idea that it's all right to sin a little. Okay? That's not what the New Testament teaches. Let's get that straight. I don't know of a single place that the New Testament tells us it's all right to sin a little. I don't think it's there. I think God expects holiness in the lives of his people. Now, God is a God of mercy. God knows that uh, we are going to come short at times. And if we live a life of humility and repentance, he takes care of that, and, and we are clean in his sight. He does not expect us to sin, okay? 
We are to live holy lives. We will not reach the sinless holiness of God until we reach heaven. Okay? But we are not given permission to sin a little. Now, let's move on from there. We talked about Christ's body and, and what he did for us and how he sanctifies us and makes us holy. Now, what does that mean for us? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, going on, uh, would have some teaching there, but uh, I'm choosing to go back to Romans 12. The first two verses of Romans 12 say it so well. The first verse says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I beseech you therefore. He had just talked about uh, God who has concluded everyone in unbelief so that he could have mercy on everyone. <clears throat> and, uh, and because of God's mercy, Paul is just overflowing there as he writes in the 11th, last part of the 11th chapter of uh, Romans there. And, and now he says, I beseech you therefore, in the 12th chapter, the first verse, by the mercies of God, because of God's great mercies, his love for us, and notice that he says, brethren. This is to those who are sanctified, those who are saints. He's talking to saints here. What's our reasonable service? Our reason, the reasonable worship that we can give God is to give our bodies back to God. He has given his body, Jesus Christ gave his body for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice for us. Now he says, you present your bodies back to me. That's what he's asking for. How do we do that? A living sacrifice. How do we, how do we become a living sacrifice? That's the, that's the reasonable worship, the spiritual thing that God wants us to do. Give our bodies back to him. We are saints. We are sanctified. We're made holy. We, our sins are taken away. Not covered. Taken away. God doesn't... Remission is the word used back there in Hebrews 10. Uh, full, full payment made. The debt is paid completely. And, and, and we are cleared. We don't, we don't have to pay that debt. We deserve to die. We did. And now, we need to give our bodies back to God. And so, so how do we do that? Well, in verse 2, he says, Be not conformed to this world, but be, be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. That's part of it. And, uh, and those words, conformed and transformed, both of them are words of continuous action. Now, they, they, uh, they happen at one time, maybe, probably, for sure, the uh, transformation that happens. But unless that's continually being acted on, Wendell Heatwall wrote uh, a book that I have used in instructing new members for church membership, new converts for church membership. And in that book, he says that uh, we stay saved the same way we become saved, by repentance, by living repentance. Humble, repentant living. We need that. Uh, we are not uh, we are not given permission to sin a little, okay? Never, under any circumstances. God knows we're going to come short sometimes. And, and so we need to live a life that recognizes that, repentance and humility. We don't have anything to brag about. I don't have anything to brag about. If there's anything I can brag about, it's... It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And, and I need to, to live now for him. A living sacrifice. Live my life for him. Uh, the last uh, week or so, I, I was doing a lot of pruning in Motric. Had too many other things to do in the wintertime and... Uh, didn't get it done, and so I was I was pruny. What's that got to do with being a living sacrifice? Jesus is asking us, no matter whether we're uh, working at CLP or whether we're uh, driving nails or whether we're pruning trees or whatever we're doing. That, that we do it as unto God. And, and in all of that, we relate to people around us. And we relate to them as uh, we think Jesus Christ would relate to them. And we try to uh, keep our minds so renewed and so in touch with Christ that, uh, that our attitudes are... Christian in in all that we do. We do not sin a little. We live our lives given in sacrifice, our bodies given in sacrifice, out of uh, gratefulness to God for what he has given us in the body of Jesus Christ. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Father, we thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ, for the sacrifice, for the cleansing blood. Thank you that you've given us a body. Help us to use it 
whatever our body is, to use it as a living sacrifice, to give it back to you. Guide us each one so that someday you'd be glad to have us to be with you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we have a song?